Yes. Beautiful. Hello, everybody. I'm Peter Goldstein, founder of We Did It That Health, where it is our mission to empower grassroots ambassadors to be more effective at inspiring hopeful curiosity in our friends and loved ones. So please join our community, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we are here to provide resources and, and trainings for better communication skills. And today we have a very, very special guest with us, uh, Dr. Michael Clapper. And his, uh, his mission is to uh, move, move medicine forward by educating and helping doctors get more understanding on nutrition. So if your doctor can't tell you what to eat healthy means, it's not entirely their fault. Historically, doctors and other health professionals don't receive in-depth nutritional training. Dr. Michael Clapper is out of out to change that. After a 50-year career as a primary care physician, Dr. Clapper, a member of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, now focuses on sharing with fellow health professionals and the science of how health-promoting food and lifestyle choices can, can arrest and reverse chronic disease. His Moving Medicine Forward initiative promotes applied nutrition being taught in medical schools. Moving Medicine Forward is a 501c3 that supports the outreach and education of physicians on disease reversal through plant-based nutrition. A longtime radio host and a pilot, Dr. Clapper has served as a nutrition advisor to NASA's program for space colonists on the moon and on Mars, and on the nutrition training force for the American Medical Students Association. Dr. Clapper will discuss the state of nutritional education in medical schools, including medical school curriculum addresses limited information about nutrition. Residents are left with unanswered questions and how moving medicine forward is changing that comparative advantage of using diet to navigate and correct the cause of disease versus treating symptoms, the, medicine, the Western medicine method, healing patients and the planet for the future forward for, for the future, FORWARD requires uh, support of the grassroots initiative to educate medical school students on a whole food, plant-based nutrition. Moving Medicine FORWARD would like to offer, offer you access to Dr. Clapper's masterclass with a 25% discount on the masterclass. And Dr. Clapper, Welcome. I'm so, so glad that you're here with us today. Thank you. And uh, to start with, if you would just share with everybody the URL for that master class and, and the 25% discount. Right. If you go to, um, to movingmedforward.com, uh, you will see the master class there. And um, if there's only uh, nine of us here, I don't know if we gave you the coupon code for that. Um, please just, uh, I'll put it in the, um, uh, in the chat box here. Um, you bet. Whoops. 
Let me it's, see if we can. It's uppercase Clapper. Okay. Uh, write um, info at drclapper.com uh, and uh, ask for the 25% discount. Okay, if you just write at info.clapper.com and say you want to take the master as you were a part of today's seminar, uh, we'll, uh, we'll get to that 25% discount. Well, that's so very generous of you and so appreciate all that you're doing. And I know we we have a very excited audience here looking forward to your presentation. And I think all of us, our mission is to be ambassadors and we're all looking forward to to spreading your your teachings, your word. And, and I think most of us, when we go see our doctors the next time, if they're not already plant-based, we hope to have something that you're sharing with us that we can then share with our doctors. So uh, look forward to your presentation. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. I appreciate the introduction. So as uh, time is fleeting here quickly, let's uh, let's get into the presentation here. Um, okay, let's um, where let's well, I guess I'll have to go there. Um, Okay, can you see the slide here? State of Nutrition Education in U.S. Medical Schools? Yes. Can you see that? Yes. Okay, great. Okay, can you see this one? No matter what the medical specialty? Yes. Can you see that? Good. All right, let's go. Let's, on we go. <clears throat> so I've been going around this the country, in fact, internationally, talking to medical students, residents, attending physicians, practicing docs out in the world there. And the message I've been giving them is no matter what specialty you go into, and I've got them all listed here, uh, from any gastroenterology to surgery, cardiology, et cetera, when any of these specialists or primary care doctors open this door of the waiting room in their clinic, in the hospital, uh, freestanding clinic, or the outpatient surgery, wherever you are, you open the door, who's sitting there? Who's sitting there is Mr. and Mrs. America, who's got some definite physiologic traits and medical conditions. <clears throat> the majority of them, statistically, they're overweight, if not clinically obese. I can't show you pictures here. People uh, start criticizing me for fat shaming, but this is who we become in America. A lot of uh, uh, obesity just become rampant. These people have fluorid uh, blood vessel disease. Uh, they have high blood lipids, high blood pressure, clogging of the arteries showing up as an angina, clogitation. Let's see rampant type 2 diabetes, with high blood sugars chronically, and a host of inflammatory diseases affecting every organ system from lungs to gut to joints to the immune system. This is Western medicine in the 21st century, and every doctor, including the pediatricians, are dealing with this population. Now, I've been a primary care physician for over 50 years. Can people mute, mute their microphone? Possible to have everybody mute their mic? Thank you. I, um, I've been a primary care doctor for 50 years, and I, for the first 10 years of my medical career, I spent it chasing numbers. I'm watching people's body weights go up. I'm watching their high blood pressures get worse, seeing their blood sugars climb, seeing their inflammatory markers go up. And you know, along with this, I'm raising the dosage of their insulin and their steroids. I'm chasing these numbers for 10 years. And it was dismal. People are getting fatter and sicker. I'm getting calls in the emergency room. Joe just had a stroke. Mary had a heart attack. 
and I'm feeling like a complete failure because uh, all I'm doing is managing the chronic disease and not doing a very good job of that. You ought to lose some weight, Joe. I had no idea how Joe should actually go about losing that weight. And I can't understand why so many doctors find their practice unsatisfying and why they're actually leaving medicine. In the middle of my career, I joined the staff at True North Health Center in Santa Rosa, California, about an hour north of San Francisco. And there we have the same flood of Western diseases coming through on our uh, constant supply of inpatients. But in these folks, we did not put on a higher dose of beta blockers or insulin. We put them on a diet based of whole plant foods. Uh, and fed them lots of oatmeal and fruit for breakfast, and lunches and dinners were colorful salads, hearty vegetable soups, big plates of steamed green and yellow vegetables, and all sorts of no-oil stir-fries and chili and soups and stews and casseroles with lots of colorful fruit for dessert. This was the food stream that flooded through their tissues meal after meal for week after week. They would stay two, three, four weeks or longer. And the changes we would see in these people's bodies were nothing short of spectacular. The longer they would stay and eat this food, the healthier they would get. But we would watch the obesity begin to melt away within the first couple of days. Begins, just begins, but the weight starts going down. Their arteries begin to relax and dilate so their high blood pressure comes down. Their sore joints are less inflamed. They have their first good bowel movement in months or years, and that makes everyone feel better. The folks with type 2 diabetes noticed their insulin and the formula dosages were, had to be reduced and reduced as their blood sugars came down. The psoriasis folks, the eczema folks noted their skin feels better. The asthmatic folks stopped wheezing so much. Everyone got more restful sleep. It was stunning. If there was a pill that did this, we would be trillionaires. But we, we repeatedly, predictably see changes like Emily here, one of Dr. Furman's patients on the same program. And uh, she came in, I first met Emily, she looked like this. She went on a whole food plant-based diet. 11 months later, this Emily turned into this Emily, normal blood pressure, normal blood sugar, offer medications, offer insulin. What greater gift could we want for our patients than to help them achieve this life-saving transformation? It's the most exciting uh, gift in medicine that we can give our patients. And it turns out, as I become a student of the effects of plant-based medicine upon the human body, I find the major diseases that most physicians are going to spend their lifetime careers treating these conditions, each of them, now has a substantial literature reporting improvement or a complete resolution through a whole food plant-based diet. I wish someone had told me that these diseases that I've spent so many years chasing will respond to a whole food plant-based diet. So why does it work? How does a plant-based diet work this remarkable effect in the human body? We're going to go into that in detail. Why was I not told about this in medical school? Why are medical students still not being told about this? It's clear there's a huge deficit. Here's Dr. David Eisenberg of Harvard saying, the fact that 20%, one out of five medical schools have a single required course of nutrition is a scandal. It's outrageous. It's obscene. He's absolutely right. And here's his colleague, Dr. Walter Willard, saying it's crucial that physicians understand what patients are eating before they develop serious questions. It certainly is. 
but I wish someone had told me the effect of what our patient's daily diet is doing in their bodies. So that we, we just blow right past this, never gets the slightest consideration when it's really the cause of why the patient's sitting in front of us. I wish during my first in med school, my postgraduate years, I wish some attending physician, some lecturer, some chief resident sat me down and said, listen, before you go out into outpatient clinic there, or diabetes clinic or into the ER, realize that the people you're going to be seeing there, they're overweight, hypertensive, diabetic, clogged up and inflamed. Understand what you are seeing in this population. This is not some genetic mismatch on their chromosomes. We basically are plant-eating hominids. We have much the same digestive system that our gorilla and bonobo cousins have. And all day, they're up in the trees eating leaves and fruits and vegetation for month after month, year after year. And they do not develop atherosclerotic clogging of their arteries. They do not develop type 2 diabetes. They don't develop inflamed colons. They pass these big soft stools. They, they die of, of injuries and trauma and infections and parasites, but they don't die of diseases of Western civilization because they're eating the food they were designed to eat, leaves and fruits and vegetation. But what do we modern humans send down our digestive system? A piece of cooked animal flesh every four hours, whether it's bacon and eggs for breakfast, a cheeseburger for lunch, fried chicken for dinner, uh, ice cream for dessert. Uh, we are constantly keeping our blood filled with cooked meat and salt and sugars and oils and processing chemicals. And meals like this keep the blood filled with these heavy saturated fats from the animal flesh. And while, and, and every meal sends, sends fat through the bloodstream for a good three or four hours. And during that time, our own blood lipids are getting more atherogenic. The blood gets thicker with all that fat. The blood is more viscous. It takes a higher pressure to force it through capillary beds. As the fat flows through our abdominal fat stores, it sticks there, increasing abdominal obesity. Um, the fat gets into our liver and muscle cells, clogs up our insulin receptors and makes us uh, more insulin resistant and our blood sugars go up. And saturated fats are pro-inflammatory, so inflammatory reactions throughout the body get flamed. This is, get inflamed. This is the so-called metabolic syndrome, and every meat-based meal, fast food meal, fans these metabolic syndrome features. Now, that's just the fat. And I looked at the fat because you can see it in the test tube, and uh, and uh, it's the, the most physically uh, problematic. But there's more than just fat in this blood. It's a high salt diet. There's salt in the meat, salt in the cheese, salt in the fries, salt in the chips. And all this salt not only makes us retain fluid and stiffens our arteries, uh, which raises our blood pressure and increases the risk of congestive heart failure and, and, and strokes, but also we're finding out now that high salt diets increase uh, the chances of Th17 helper cells unleashing lupus and autoimmune diseases. Who knew? But high salt diets are not good for us, and, and most Americans eat way too much salt. And then there's sugar. Now, I'm not talking about a half a teaspoon of uh, maple syrup in your tea. That's how it's supposed to be used as a flavoring. I'm talking about eating sugar as a food. When you eat a cupcake, a donut, a candy bar, drink a cola drink, eat ice cream, you're eating sugar as a food. It was never meant to be eaten as a food. And when you do that, 
grams and grams of fructose, maltose, dextrose flood through the tissues and stick to proteins all over the body. You like consolate the proteins all over your body with sugar. And then your own body heat does a low-grade version of the Maillard reaction, which every baker knows. Um, they take sugar, pastry flour, combine it with protein, wheat gluten, uh, wet it and combine it so the, so the protein gets glycosylated. Then they put it in the oven and the oven heat oxidizes this glycosylated protein. And that's what produces the crust of bread. And it, it's teeming with free radicals that rip electrons off your cell membranes. Uh, it's full of uh, carcinogenic uh, hydrocarbons from the from the from the uh, charred uh, sugars and proteins, etc. And these these oxidized glycosylated proteins are called advanced glycation end products. Don't worry about the name, but remember the acronym. This ages you. It's so full of free radicals that rip electrons off your chromosomes, off your cell membranes. It ages your tissues. It's one thing to create AGEs in the surface of a French baguette, but you don't want to run the Maillard reaction on the crystalline proteins of your eye. It's a great way to give yourself cataracts. You don't want to run the Maillard reaction on the elastin fibers of your skin. It's a great way to give yourself skin that looks like an old suitcase. And you sure don't want to run the, the Maillard reaction on the inner lining of the blood vessel in your brain. I will show you how that may set you up for Alzheimer's disease. Now, these, um, these AGEs uh, can be formed in your own body if you just eat sugar uh, and your own body heat will run a, a version of the Maillard reaction on your own proteins. But you can also eat these AGEs preformed. They form when you cook carbohydrates like potato chips at high temperature. You're going to form lots of AGEs. But it turns out that the cooked carbohydrates are not the main source of AGEs in the human body, in human diet. Guess what is? It's cooking animal muscle. This is where the AGEs are really generated. And bacon and fried chicken had dwarf potato chips and their AGEs. So these are the foods that really age us and hurt our blood vessels. And hurt our blood vessels, they do. You don't want to run the Maillard reaction on the inner lining of the arteries of your brain. Here's what happens. These are the arteries of two men who died at the same age. But this man up here did not have Alzheimer's dementia. This man down here did. And you can see how the patients with Alzheimer's disease, how his arteries are thickened and edematous and they're full of these advanced glycation end products. It's a big vascular component to Alzheimer's. And uh, 80 years of a diet that flows meat and sugar and oxidized proteins and, and AGEs through your blood vessels uh, I, uh, is coming to be seen as a major contributor to Alzheimer's. So you can do all this damage to your arteries and your immune system, uh, your, your insulin uh, function, et cetera, with just vegan junk food. So a reason before we get onto meats, um, you don't want to be eating this stuff. Uh, it's a treat a little bit, you know, once a month, you can have a couple of French fries, but that's it. Do not be eating this stuff on a regular basis. It ages you, it damages your tissues. So just because you mean that you're guaranteed a, a free ticket to glowing health. It's, we're talking about whole foods, plant-based that grew in the garden. Nothing on the slide grew out, grew in the garden. Uh, so that said, don't eat beaten, vegan processed junk food. But that said, once you add cooked animal muscle, 
uh, to the, your daily diet, you add a whole new tier of toxic molecules. Uh, and most people eat a piece of animal flesh with every meal. If you don't, want to, if it's not there, you call the waiter over and say, hey, where's my protein? Well, this is the reality of what every meat-based meal sends through your bloodstream and through every cell in your body. First of all, nobody eats raw meat. Uh, the very act of putting that steak under the broiler, putting the burger on the grill, dropping the chicken flesh into the hot fryer oil, this oxidizes the cholesterol in the animal's muscles. So you're eating oxidized cholesterol with every piece of meat. Well, these oxidized cholesterol particles are very atherogenic. They cause plaque to form in the arteries. I'll show you how that works. When you cook animal muscle at high temperature and you oxidize the nucleic acids and the, and the glycogen, you're going to be creating reactive aldehydes like glaxo and acrylate. These are mutagenic. They damage your genes, the genes that call forth the enzymes in your cells that do all your biochemistry. Why flood your, your, your chromosomes in your genes with, with gene-damaging molecules with every meat-based meal? Why do that to your cells? NU5GC is a sialic acid that only animals make. It sets off inflammatory reactions throughout the body, and our paleo friends are giving themselves a shot of NU5GC with every, with every meal. Endotoxin comes from the slaughterhouse uh, bacteria. Uh, doctors watching this who've worked in the ICU know endotoxic shock. Where does endotoxin come from? It comes from the carcasses. Uh, all animals have uh, bacteria in their gut that when the carcass is eviscerated, even organic grass-fed beef, it comes to the slaughterhouse. As the guts are taken out of the digestive system, you inevitably get spillage uh, of the gut contents uh, out onto the cutting surfaces. And you can take a culture tube and swipe any cutting surface in the meatpacking plant, and you'll grow luxurious growth of salmonella, shigella, E. coli, Enterococcus, Pseudomonas, Clostridia, the entire rogues gallery of enteric bacteria. So every steak and chicken, uh, chicken wing and turkey breast that leaves the packing house um, has a thin layer of these bacteria on the surface. Uh, it's wrapped in clear plastic, sent to the meat case in your supermarket where the ultraviolet light shines down and kills the bacteria. And as these bacteria on the surface of the meat die, their cell walls break up and they turn into these fragments of lipopolysaccharides called endotoxin. Nasty molecule endotoxin. Take a walk around this daisy of distress to see what endotoxin does. It releases free radicals, it damages your chromosomes, it depresses your heart function, it releases histamine, releases inflammatory reactions, makes your blood clot, nasty stuff, endotoxin. And it's heat stable. Grilling the burger, broiling the steak does not get rid of the endotoxin. Uh, and our paleo friends are giving themselves a shot of endotoxin three times a day. And endotoxin makes your gut leaky and allows food proteins and bacterial cell walls to leak into your bloodstream, setting off the immune reaction. Reaction. Not good to be eating endotoxin. You don't, when you steam broccoli, you don't create endotoxin. When you boil rice or make oatmeal, you don't create endotoxin. Uh, this is, comes from cooking animal muscle. Uh, and so uh, a, a message from the universe about endotoxin and why you don't want to eat it. <laughs> then there's TMAO. What's that? Um, 
if you are eating a standard Western diet, you're eating meat that has lots of carnitine and eggs that have choline. Well, you eat meat and eggs, you're going to summon up microbes like peptostreptococci and clostridia that love to eat carnitine and choline. They will turn those molecules into trimethylamine that your liver will oxidize into trimethylamine oxide. This is a molecule from hell that drives cholesterol into the artery wall. Uh, and uh, sets up uh, atherosclerotic plaque formation. And our paleo friends are, uh, because of all the meat and eggs they eat, are walking around with high levels of TMAO. Uh, and this sets them up for increased risk for major adverse cardiac events, heart attacks, strokes, and death. Uh, we are not carnivorous apes, and they're trying to eat a diet like that uh, is setting you up for an early demise. Uh, when you uh, cook animal muscle, you inevitably create molecules that cause cancer and you smear it on the stomach wall, get gastric cancer, smear it on the colon wall. The meat eaters get much more colon cancer than the vegans do. Uh, when you eat a piece of meat and all those amino acids from the protein flood into your liver, the liver responds with a surge of a very powerful growth-promoting hormone called IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor 1. This is an important hormone. If you're a growing child, you want it to foster growth in all your tissues. But if you're an adult woman with an early breast cancer, or you're a guy with a big prostate and some malignant cells in there, the last thing you want is a diet that makes you walk around with high levels of IGF-1. And that's exactly what a meat and egg-based diet do. Uh, heme iron makes red meat red. It also increases the risk of strokes and cancers. Won't go into the chemistry of it right now. But the animals in the feedlot are fed bushels of grain sprayed with herbicides and pesticides. They drink water with lead and mercury and cadmium. They're given growth-promoting hormones in our bodies. All these substances accumulate in the animal's flesh. And so when you bite into that chicken breast or that steak or that burger, you're eating all the concentrated pesticides and herbicides and heavy metals that animal consumed. This is what flows through every tissue in your body, every cell in your body, after every meat-based meal. It's what I call the postprandial red tide. Postprandial means after eating. And this is the red tide that surges through every cell in your body, bringing this, this army of molecular marauders uh, that cause chaos in every enzyme system, every organ system in the body. It's a fatty tide, it's a salty tide, it's a sugary tide. It's antigenic, sets off immune reactions. It's an acid-forming uh, acid tide. It's full of sulfates and phosphates that turn into sulfuric and phosphoric acid. It's mutagenic, it damages your genes. It's carcinogenic, sets off cancer. It's atherogenic, sets off plaque formation in your arteries. It's pro-inflammatory tide, sets off inflammation. Then it disrupts enzyme systems in every cell of the body. This is the red tide that the meat-eating population, the standard American diet, fast food-eating population, sends through their tissues with every single meal. And if you eat three meals a day, for 365 days, that's over a thousand times a year, you are flooding these red tide toxins through every cell in your body. No wonder we become so inflamed and, and diseased. And we learn in physiology that within minutes of eating anything, molecules of that food are flowing through every cell in your body where your DNA lies unfolded. That's, that's where your genes are. And the food molecules wash over your DNA and they play your DNA like a piano. 
and they turn genes on, they turn genes off, they induce enzymes, they shut enzymes down. Every meal brings in not only nutrition, it brings in information. Uh, and it changes us on a genetic molecular level. And you don't need to be a geneticist to understand the gene is going to be turned on by this broiled steak with all the new 5GC and endotoxin and carcinogenic amines and AGEs and um, oxidized pesticides, etc. The genes that are to be turned on by this broiled steak, the genes that we know induce aging and inflammation and set off autoimmune disease and cancers, those genes are going to be a totally different set of genes than those that are going to be turned on by this salad that floods your tissues with these phytonutrients that are antioxidants, that quench free radicals, that promote tissue repair, that promote membrane stabilization, that give the chemical message to your tissues, shh, calm down, everything's okay. In a sentence, your genes may load the gun. You may have a genetic propensity towards the disease, but your diet and your lifestyle pull the trigger. Whether that disease actually manifests in your body largely, largely, not completely, but largely depends upon the food you are flowing through your tissues with every meal. And here's a graphic example of that. This left panel is the genetic readout of a man with early stage prostate cancer. And these red patches here, each one of these is an active oncogene, O-N-C-O, onco means cancer. These are oncogenes that are promoting the growth of this man's malignant prostate tumor. This man went on a whole food plant-based diet, just meal after meal of hearty salads and soups and steamed veggies, et cetera, like we fed at True North. Six months later, they do another biopsy. Same man, same prostate, same genes. Look at the difference. Look how many of these red oncogenes have now been silenced and turned green. This is the power of our daily diet. How can we withhold this information from our patients? Every meal changes us in one of two ways. It changes us either directly, epigenetically, by the chemicals in the food turning genes on and off, that's epigenetics, like new 5GC turns on inflammation. But also the food we eat changes the microbes in our gut, and they will change us by producing molecules like TMAO that damages our arteries, but also neurotransmitters like dopamine and norepinephrine make us feel better. Every meal changes us. It is so powerful. So I tell the med students and the residents and the young doctors, when you open the door in the exam room in your clinic, and there's the man with the angina, and there's the asthmatic lady using her inhaler, and the man with type 2 diabetes injecting insulin, and the woman fretting over what acne is done to her face. Instead of saying, oh, etiology unknown, we don't know the cause of these diseases. And I ask doctor, are you not really looking at the effects of repeated red tides flushing through these people's bodies day after day, causing inflammation and vascular obstruction? The food effects over time equal the health effects. And it's time we started recognizing this. We never ask about our patient's diet, but that's why they're sitting in front of us with these life-threatening diseases. But we, we never mentioned this to a medical student in school. There's etiology unknown. Well, one of the days, the smart guys in NIH will figure it out and make a mesocillin and save all our patients. But till then, just keep prescribing your beta blockers and your uh, your insulin. Turns out that all these conditions will respond positively to a whole food plant-based diet. 
So let's examine how it works. Why does the, this kind of food stream reverse these dreadful degenerative diseases? Well, here we are, the patient's still back eating a standard Western diet and every meal he's flooding his tissues with all these disruptive molecular marauders that damage him on every, excuse me, on every level. Uh, and you just imagine what hour after hour of this stuff flowing through the tissues do. This is the damage to red tide. As soon as the person says enough, I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of being fat and sick and sore and taking all these pills and these injections. Uh, enough. I want my health back. As soon as he says that, he looks and says, this is no longer food for me. Uh, and he goes, jumps on the plant-based train, boots in, really makes the commitment. And his food stream is now salad and soups and steamed veggies and casseroles and non-oil stir-fries and healthy whole food plant-based food. The, as soon as the very first day he had makes that change, poof, the onslaught stops. The red tide ends. There is now respite. There is time for tissue repair that every cell of your tissue knows how to do, but wasn't able to do so because of the repeated injuries from the daily diet. Now tissue repair can happen. And look at the changes we that one move had made going from an animal-based diet to a plant-based diet. First of all, this is a high water content diet. All the soups and the salads and the steamed veggies, they're full of water. And so the, there's more water in the blood. And that sends fluxes of water, surges of water through all the tissues, like taking your cells to a car wash, and it starts flushing out and diluting the cellular debris that accumulates in the cells, the oxidative product, et cetera. But very importantly, the blood's more watery, it's less viscous, it flows more easily. And that's a very convenient, wonderful property because at the same time, all the dark green vegetables the person is now eating increases the nitric oxide production in the walls of the arteries. And that produces a very subtle vasodilation. The arteries open up a little bit. That, of course, is going to lower the blood pressure, start getting these people off their medication. But also, this now slightly dilated blood vessel system <clears throat> is allowing this less viscous, more free-flowing blood to surge through capillary beds throughout the body, muscles, brain, skin. And this delivers a greater load of oxygen and nutrients to the tissues. Um, this makes all the tissues in the body healthier. When you pull out the animal flesh, you're pulling out the animal fat that contains arachidonic acid. It is the main pro-inflammatory uh, substance in the diet. It drives inflammatory prostaglandin synthesis. Well, you pull that out, you've really decreased the, the inflammatory driving molecules. And now all the fats in the diet, if you're completely plant-based, all the fats are coming from plant oils, many of which are in the omega-3 family that have a powerful anti-inflammatory effect. So you've changed the entire inflammatory balance in all the tissues of the body in every organ just by pulling out the animal flesh, putting in the plant-based uh, fats. Um, all these wonderful fruits and vegetables, all their colors are filled with antioxidant phytonutrients, carotenoids and cryptoxanthins and flavonoids and glucosinolates, and they bathe every cell, every tissue with every meal. 
that's going to quench the free radicals, reactive oxygen species. That's going to lower oxidative stress in all the tissues. That's uh, that's uh, so much ongoing tissue damage just with that one change. You change the food stream going through the gut, you're going to change the microbes that live down there. If you're eating meat and eggs, you're summoning up lots of uh, problematic pathogenic bacteria like bacteroidae species that promote cancer growth and inflammation in the gut wall. Well, you pull out the animal flesh and you start putting in the starches and the beans and the legumes, you foster the growth of beneficial microbes like Prevotella that are anti-inflammatory and they're anti-cancer in their byproducts. And their byproducts are often dopamine and serotonin and norepinephrine, neurotransmitters that get into our brain make us feel better. People often say, gee, I feel happier since I went plant-based. That's not a placebo effect. That the neurotransmitter changing your brain complements of your gut microbes. When you stop eating the cholesterol of other animals, your own blood lipids are going to become less atherogenic. That's got to be a big plus. The oils in your skin are going to change. The fats you eat work their way out into the skin. And guys who eat a lot of meat smell like uh, the, the 49ers locker room at halftime. Well, when you pull those out and put plant oils in, many people know, hey, my wife says I don't smell anymore. That's right. It changes the oxidizing oils in your skin. And then also it's better with the skin. Uh, you, we often know if the acne gets better, psoriasis gets better for the same reason. Uh, the cows are all pregnant in the dairy, so dairy products are full of estrogens that promote everything from man boobs and big prostate to breast cancers. Well, hormone levels normalize when you stop the dairy. High-protein diets are not gentle with the kidneys. They force the kidneys to go into a state of hyperfiltration that damages them over time. When you pull out the, the animal flesh and you put in the plant proteins, they're much more gentle with the kidneys. So the, the march towards renal failure stops. The asthmatic folks knows their lungs wheeze less, their secretions are thinner. You know, white cells counts come down naturally because you're not praying in the, in the, in the bone marrow with, with endotoxin three times a day. Look at all the changes that happen in every tissue, every cell in the body, just from the simple move of going from an animal-based diet to a plant-based diet. And I tell the medical students and the scientists in the office, what changes when you change from an animal-based diet to a plant-based diet? In a word, everything changes. The entire chemistry and physiology of the entire human body changes. You are creating a different biological milieu in the Homo sapiens body. This is so profound. And yet we ignore it. We just blow right past it. But no wonder so many of these wonderful changes happen in all these organ systems uh, as we go plant-based. And I could spend two lectures on the effect in each one of these tissues about the benefits brought by a whole food plant-based diet. So let's talk about two diseases and why they reverse when this when these changes happen. Let's talk about the biggest killer, artery disease. Every 30, every 40 seconds in this country, someone grabs their chest and falls over uh, with a heart attack and dies because one of these inflammatory plaques in the cell in the artery wall ruptured. Uh, and uh, when it ruptured, it sets off a cloth, it stops the blood flow to the heart, uh, and part of the heart muscle dies. Um, why does this happen? Oh, your LDL is too high. Nonsense. Atherosclerotic plaques don't form just because your LDL is up. 
formation of an atherosclerotic plaque is an active inflammatory process. It's not just how high is your LDL. This is inflammation. What is setting off the inflammation? More than just an elevated lipid panel. The endothelial linings, that one cell thin membrane that lines the, all the arteries gets injured. Here it is shown schematically, nice, healthy, normal endothelium. But what might injure it? Well, how about the blood flowing through it? When one is eating the standard Western diet, eating all sorts of cooked meats and fried foods and sugars and salts and oils, etc., this is not gentle with the endothelial lining. Uh, the cooked animal muscle is full of charred uh, proteins and nucleic acids and free radicals. That damages the endothelium. If you like French fries and onion rings, you're, you're can, these are sponges for fryer oil uh, that hour after hour generates free radicals. And, and so you're, you're bathing your arteries, walls with the free radicals and the fried foods. Uh, if you eat meat, you're generating uric acid. That damages the, the lining membranes. If you got a sweet tooth, the fructose in the candies and the soft drink damages the membranes. If you like cola drinks, the phosphoric acid that give Coke the bite on your tongue damages the membranes. Well, in the standard Western diet, damages the arteries. Rice and beans and greens don't do this. Okay, this is cooked meats and processed foods and sugars, etc. And here we see the 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 endothelial lining getting injured. Uh, it gets abraded, uh, and 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 cooking the animal muscle oxidizes cholesterol. Here's regular cholesterol, which is useful in the body for hormone production, cell membranes. But when you put that slab of animal muscle, put that steak under the broiler, drop that chicken into the fryer oil, you know, the cholesterol is oxidized into cholesterol peroxides, and these are the atherogenic particles that get into the walls of the arteries. And if you're eating vegan junk food, lots of fried foods and sugars, you'll oxidize your own cholesterol and create this in your own body. Another reason not to eat uh, vegan junk foods. Uh, so here we are in the artery wall. Here's the oxidized LDL coming in that sets off inflammation, draws in the white blood cells that engulfs the oxidized LDL, generates more free radicals, reactive oxygen species, forming these foam cells. And that's what the plaque is. This is not just how high is your LDL. This is artery abuse. This is injury. Uh, from the, the food stream flowing through these artery walls uh, every four hours, uh, the, the atherosclerotic plaque is the body's reaction to all this oxidized cholesterol coming in from the cooked meats. Steam kale doesn't do this. And as the plaque formation develops because it's inflammation, inflammatory markers uh, wind up in the bloodstream. This is what I'm interested in. I don't need just to know your LDL number, your ratio, your particle size. I want to know as, as, the, as the plaque develops and these inflammatory markers show up, measure these. Now, this is where the action is. This answers the question, do you have the inflammatory fire burning in the walls of the arteries or don't you? Uh, then, if there's a serious question, send them over to the ultrasound department, get an ultrasound scan of their carotid arteries. If they are crystal clear and clean and pristine, and there are markers of artery inflammation, they're all negative, they don't have the disease. The inflammatory fire of plaque formation is not active in their artery walls. If these numbers are all negative, uh, and well within normal limits, and there are and their scans clear, even, their, even if their liver decided to keep 214 milligrams of cholesterol in their blood that day does not 
mean they have the disease of atherosclerosis. That is an active inflammatory process due to the owner of the artery abusing those arteries. But, but if you, but if your cholesterol is up and you're completely plant-based, every one of those cholesterol molecules are put there by your own liver for its own reason. It's not the disease of atherosclerosis. Now, if these markers come back elevated and your scan shows, yes, you do have plaque there, that's, another, that's a whole different ballgame. You got the disease. That inflammatory fire is burning in the walls of your arteries. And the cardiologist said, oh, they're all going to need stents. They're all going to need stents. They're all going to need bypasses. That's right, doctor. If you don't uh, talk to them about what they're eating, that's what you're going to see. But it doesn't have to be that way. This is a reversible disease, as Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn showed us in his uh, landmark study. Almost 200 patients with clogged up arteries, every one of them had coronary artery disease, they had angina, they had stents, they had, had heart attacks. You put them on a whole food plant-based diet rigidly. During the following four years, you'd expect a dozen, two dozen of them would have heart attacks, strokes. None of them uh, virtually had any adverse uh, cardiac event, no heart attacks, etc. And those with angina, nine out of 10 of their angina went away. That, that never happens in the minds of standard cardiologists. But those folks who went back to their standard American diet, uh, over half of them experienced a heart attack or stroke. Why does this happen? What is so profound about his program? Well, first of all, it's a completely whole food plant-based. Stop the red tide. Okay. And he wants you to have a helping of fist size, helping of dark leafy greens, preferably cruciferous, but three to five times a day. Why does he want to do that? Why does he put you on that regimen? Well, first of all, as soon as you pull out all the animal flesh, the red tide onslaught, onslaught ceases. Now there is time and respite for reversal to happen. So this constant rain of oxidized cholesterol particles, that stops. Then, because you always have dark green leafy vegetables in your intestine, you're eating out, helping them every few hours, it's like a time-release capsule. They're constantly putting antioxidants in your blood. And as the weeks and months go by, the antioxidants saturate, penetrate into the walls of the artery. They find any free radical activity in the, in the foam cells of the plaque, neutralize them. And as a result, the, the foam cells leave. They outmigrate. You can see it on the electron microscope. And as a result, the plaques get smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, and, uh, and the endothelial lining reestablishes itself, not by magic, but because the stem cells are constantly putting, I'm sorry, your stem cells in your bone marrow are constantly putting out showers of stem cells that reupholster the artery walls like new paving stones. And as a result, you get dramatic improvements like this. This is a man's left anterior descending artery in his heart. Uh, it's all the dye columns should be about this wide all the way down, but this radiating portion, these are atherosclerotic plaques encroaching into the dye column. He had severe angina where every 10 yards he had to stop and take a nitroglycerin. He'd already had one heart attack. He went on a whole food plant-based diet, just meal after meal of salads and soups and steamed veggies and casseroles and chilies, and etc. for 30 solid months. And as a result, the plaques melt away and this artery turns into this artery. Same patient, same artery. Look at how eminently reversible this disease is. And, and this sure beats putting in a bypass or a stent. 
because if he's got the, these plaques here, he's almost surely got it in the arteries in his brain, his kidneys, his legs, etc. It's a total body disease. It needs to be cleaned out on the total body level. Occasionally, there is a need for a, for a stent or a bypass with intractable angina. But short of that, putting in a stent does not, if they don't change their diet, doesn't alter their date of death. They will still have their heart attack or stroke. Dr. Esselstyn also wants a little balsamic vinegar on the greens and it increases nitric oxide production to increase the vasodilation. And speaking of which, little physics here, there's a law in physics by Seals Law that says just a little increase in the, the diameter of an artery means a big increase in blood flow. And by the fourth power, the increase in the radius. Uh, so that means... Uh, uh, here's a man's uh, myocardial perfusion scan. This is his heart. Uh, red is good blood flow. You can see how choked off his vessels is, uh, vessels are. Went on a whole food plant-based diet for two weeks. And with Sills Law kicked in, a little bit of dilation means a big increase in blood flow. And this perfusion scan turned into that perfusion scan. In just two weeks, you see the great increase in blood flow, bringing oxygen and nutrients to the heart tissue. Uh, here, I read this study in 1977. Uh, Dr. Ellis in the UK had a man with severe angina, had to stop every 10 paces, went on a vegan diet. Six months later, he's climbing uh, mountains in uh, the Lake District in the UK with no angina pain. Uh, again, Prairie Sills Law and a little bit of that melting away of the plaque and big increases in blood flow. Blood vessels open up all over the body, much to the delight of patients and people at home. Um, and it opens up in the eyes and the neck everywhere. Why aren't we discussing this with medical students? Why don't we talk to this about the card with the cardiology residents? Why are we holding back on this information? The literature isn't, and I'm going to be putting up slides like this for the rest of the presentation, but but feel free to, to either take a picture or go back uh, and review the video of this and stop the frame here. Uh, but there's certainly getting to be more and more reports of the reversibility of atherosclerosis with a whole food plant-based diet, high blood pressure, heart failure, kidney failure, they all report improvement uh, on a whole food plant-based diet. Uh, doctors then to learn have to learn this wonderful skill of de-prescribing. You got to get patients off beta blockers and off calcium channel blockers. And there's an art to doing it. And I was happy to learn that skill. But yet, why is this information being shared with students? We don't mention anything. Just uh, more beta blockers, more wonder drugs. You, um, the same thing happens in, in type 2 diabetes. Oh, it's from eating too much sugar. No, it's not. This is a disease of eating too much fat and keeping your blood fatty hour after hour, month after month, year after year. The fat penetrates into the muscle cells. It becomes intramyocellular lipid and it starts clogging up the insulin receptors. This is not theoretical. Here's what it looks like under the light microscope. All this black stuff is fat in the muscle cells, shouldn't be there. Here it is under the electron microscope. Uh, what is it doing? It's clogging up the enzymes needed to make insulin work. So insulin locks onto the receptor, but nothing happens in the cell. So the, so the sugar winds up in the piling up in the bloodstream. But the problem is not the sugar, that's the tail of the dog, it's the fat. Uh, that's clogging the insulin receptors. And if you're interested, you can read up on intramyocellular lipid as the mechanism of insulin resistance. 
And if the person has large abdominal fat, that compounds the problem because the fat surrounding the intestines is metabolically active. It's putting out inflammatory cytokines like interleukin-1 and interleukin-6, and they interfere with the insulin receptors on the outside, while the intramyocellular lipid has the enzymes blocked on the inside. No wonder so many of our obese patients develop type 2 diabetes and blood sugar goes up. Ooh, don't eat the bad carbs. No, the problems in the fat uh, and the paleo folks and the keto folks are all making themselves insulin resistant. It doesn't show up because they don't eat sugars, but it does not mean that they are normal, healthy folks. Um, uh, well, the good news is this is a reversible, preventable. You raise a child that's a vegan, they should never develop type 2 diabetes with eating all that fat. And the carbohydrates are clean burning fuel. They just turn into carbon dioxide that you breathe out and water that you excrete in the urine. So you go on a, a healthy whole food plant-based diet and the fat that's already in the muscle cell gets burned for energy. The, um, the intramyocellular lipid gets, gets uh, metabolized. So the insulin receptors open up on the inside. On the outside is the abdominal fat melts away. The, the cytokines are reduced. And as a result, the insulin receptors start working again, and the diabetes goes away. Dr. Barnard and his crew showed this back in 2009. They compared a uh, whole food plant-based diet with the Diabetes Association diet. The folks on the plant-based diet had a better improvement in their hemoglobin A1C. They lost more body weight. Their lipids improved more. Their kidneys leaked less protein. Uh, here you see after a year and a half, their uh, their hemoglobin A1C was better, uh, their body weight was better, their lipids were better. And all of us have patients like Jim, who was 100 pounds overweight, about 30 units of insulin, went plant-based, uh, lost the weight, lost the diabetes, he's off his insulin, and now running marathons. What greater gift could we give our patients than help them regain their health like this? And again, the whole food plant-based diet is the key to this. And we get to learn how to de-prescribe insulin and, and uh, these uh, diabetes drugs as well. Um, there's getting to be an extensive literature supporting this. Go back and look up these studies if you are interested in documentation. And yet, we don't mention a word about this to the medical students. Just let them go through all four years and send them out in the clinics with more insulin and more beta blockers. And obesity, the plagues of Americans and people in most Western society, that melts away. The, the, when you're eating fruits and veggies and, and soups and salads, the calorie density is so low, the fat content is so low that it's mostly fiber and water you're eating. People get leaner eating this food with no portion control, no calorie counting, just eat to your full. Uh, it's an anti-inflammatory diet. Patients with hot, swollen, painful joints notice they get better. And actual autoimmune diseases like lupus can often dramatically improve. If you or a patient has uh, lupus or autoimmune disease, please uh, look up Dr. Brooke Goldner's uh, book called Goodbye Autoimmune Disease. Get on her website. She will show you uh, how to overcome the autoimmune diseases. But we don't mention anything about this. Was, oh, etiology unknown. Just give them more prednisone. That I think is really uh, uh, not not doing the patients or the med students any uh, any credit. Inflammatory bowel disease, Crohn's disease, colitis, 
Could the food that's being smeared on the inner lining here have anything to do with why the colon is so angry? Well, of course it does. The red tide um, marauders are damaging to the very lining of the tube that's carrying them through the intestine. And again, it spawns microbes that inflame the gut. They're directly chemically irritates the gut wall. Uh, and uh, it changes the, the bacteria adversely. Uh, but you put people on a whole food plant-based diet and just have meat, meat once a month, twice a month, uh, and you get these prolonged remissions in their Crohn's disease and their colitis. Of course, uh, everything's food-related here. The asthmatic folks, especially when you pull the dairy out, notice that their asthma gets much better. Skin conditions like psoriasis and eczema often improve. And yet we don't share this with the med students. Well, this has to end. It's time for change. It's time for action. And the forces are marching to reverse this black hole of nutritional ignorance that we settle every practicing young doctor. We send them out with this, with this big deficit of nutritional understanding about the very diseases these patients are bringing to them. Uh, Congressman Jim McGovern from Massachusetts finally got a bill passed uh, that calls for med schools, residency, and fellowship programs to provide nutrition education that demonstrates the, the connection between diet and disease. I urge you to go look at his uh, End Hunger Now program. And, and the medical community is slowly responding. Uh, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine gave $22 million to make this lifestyle medicine and food as medicine program to five-hour CME free to all doctors, just free for the asking, a one-hour module to introduce it to you, uh, then three hours of food and medicine in, in preventing disease, and an hour and a half on using it to reverse disease. And this is for every doctor who just wants to put their toe in water and learn the bare bones of lifestyle medicine, free for the asking. American College of Lifestyle Medicine has food as medicine courses. You can go, uh, go to their website and join and look at them. Um, I urge you, we want to get on the plant-based wagon, learn your basic skills, learn the tools in your tool belt. Uh, go to the University of Winchester website and take a six-week online course in plant-based nutrition. You'll learn a ton. You'll learn the basics of how to use plant-based nutrition to make a human body healthier. <laughs> uh, come back to this uh, slide and go to every one of these websites. They're each a fountain of information. Dr. McDougall's newsletter library is a jewel of information on every medical condition and the effect of food on it. Um, Dr. Furman is a fountain of information. Uh, NutriSpeak, uh, definitely go to nutritionfacts.org, go to Jeff Novick's website, uh, read these books, educate yourselves, doctors, and the nurses and the dentists and the physiotherapists, pharmacists, podiatrists, everyone is dealing with people with plant-based diseases. They need this knowledge. There's getting to be good, solid books. Here's plant-based nutrition, clinical practice, filled, half the book is scientific references about how it actually works. And, and when you want to get into the practical aspects, please read uh, Dr. Starai Stancic's book, What's Missing from Medicine. She'll talk to you about how to actually practice plant-based medicine and preventive uh, lifestyle medicine. The lovely concept of disease reversal, that these are reversible diseases. I wish someone had told me that type 2 diabetes is reversible. I wish someone had told me that chronic hypertension is reversible. I wish someone told me lupus was reversible. It would have changed the course of my entire medical career. 
the patient needs to know this. The doctors need to know this. This should be their goal. So strap on your tool belt. There's even an international journal on disease reversal prevention. It's free. Just subscribe to it and start educating yourself about this wonderful process. Uh, there are wonderful courses. Uh, yeah, um, uh, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCROM, um, for weight control, evidence-based for uh, changing your school's nutritional curriculum, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, free CME. And while you're there, download their nutrition guide onto your cell phone. So if you're facing someone with lupus you know, or colitis, you'll know what food orders to write for them. Progress is being made. Here's the folks at Wayne State University putting out a mandatory course in plant-based nutrition for every first-year medical student. Yay, Wayne State. What a hopeful uh, sign this is. Here's Harvard uh, making available a course, integrating nutrition into clinical medicine. Yes, the role of health professionals as change agents. That's exactly what we need. Thank you, Harvard, for this. And here's the lifestyle medicine and put full lifestyle medicine residency programs where internal medicine residents and family practice residents, any resident can do a, 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 a auxiliary curriculum in lifestyle medicine and get certified in it. This one is through Loma Linda University. But here's George Washington University, GW in, in Washington, D.C. as a lifestyle medicine pathway as part of their internal medicine residency program. Here is University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. They've got a lifestyle medicine. It's starting to happen. This is starting to infiltrate into medical training as it desperately needs to be. And of all places, here's the University of Wyoming in Casper in the middle of beef land, cow, cowboy land. They've got a lifestyle medicine residency curriculum. Um, the, there's positive signs happening. It's starting to infiltrate from the bottom up. Eventually, we're going to be sending, turning out generations of practicing physicians uh, with lifestyle medicine knowledge, especially in plant-based nutrition. Now, uh, here's the Ardmore Institute sponsoring uh, this lovely video. Um, Dr. Sher, the enthusiasm for lifestyle medicine curriculum. And you can make a career of it. Here's my colleagues and friends at, Life, at Rochester Lifestyle Medicine. Go to their website. They have a wonderful, they're making a career of this. They have a wonderful jumpstart program. Uh, if you want to do it through telemedicine, go to Love Life Telehealth. Uh, and you'll find plant-based doctors who will help you You don't, in the comfort of your own home. They will coach you uh, into overcoming your diabetes and high blood pressure with a whole food plant-based diet. Go to love.life slash telehealth. Um, and there, come to the conferences. Join the Plantrition Project. Uh, and you'll meet plant-based doctors from around the world. They're having their next meeting in September in Desert, in Desert Springs in, uh, uh, in uh, Southern California. Uh, and you'll meet colleagues that uh, share your belief and you'll learn all sorts of wonderful science in helping people with plant-based nutrition. Here's the American College of Lifestyle Medicine's meeting. They're meeting in Denver in October. I'll be there. I'll be at both these meetings. Um, here's for International Physicians Association for Nutrition. Um, so it's starting to happen. The, the public's demanding it. The, the, the program, the ACLM, Lifestyle Medicine, folks starting to 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 accommodate this, but back at the standard medical school, at the University of Illinois, at the University of so many of these, they are still back in the 1950s. They don't want to hear about this. They they, uh, they, they don't want to, to open the box because it gets into some very difficult economic issues uh, and practice issues. 
And so now business as usual, the food has nothing to do with any of these diseases. Business as usual. Well, the tragedy of business as usual in the healing profession is that, is that we fail to, to put in clear plant-predominant dietary recommendations and policies that would immediately return virtually cost-free the following benefits. We would see uh, pre prevention and even reversal of heart disease, our biggest killer, uh, and a black hole for trillions of healthcare dollars. Our cancer rate would plummet. Our diabetes rate would essentially disappear, type 2 diabetes. Obesity would fade away. The, the food would be ample and available. <coughs> Monetary savings would be in the trillions across the healthcare system and the improvement in human health and the reduction of suffering in people and animals and planet would be priceless just for urging people to change to a plant predominant diet. What if every doctor at every visit say, hey, Joe, hey, Mary, how's your plant-based diet coming? I, I, I changed six months ago, I'm feeling great. I really think it's the key to your blood pressure issues, diabetes issues. How are you? Let, let me send you over to the plant-based dietitian and. You know, have her remind you of what a healthy diet looks like. What if every doctor said that at every visit? What if the doctors were actively encouraging this evolution? How everything would change. But yet we don't. Most of us, ah, my doctor doesn't know anything about nutrition. And they don't. Why? We're not taught about it. It's not in the curriculum in med school. It's not respected as a, it's a sissy science. Ah, send them to the dietitian, don't bother me. I'm up in the operating room doing real medicine. But what are you doing in the operating room, doctor? You're dealing with the infections and the infarctions and the amputations from what your patients are eating. Every one of you are dealing with plant with dietary diseases that could be cured in the outpatient department rather than cutting them open in the on the operating table. Well, they don't ask about nutrition on national board exams. The, uh, the curriculum's too crowded already. We are we can't add any more nutrition courses. Uh, well, that's got to change. We'll talk about the National Board in a minute. And they're eating the same foods themselves, of course, uh, in the cafeteria and out in the restaurants. So they're not going to tell the patients not to eat it. And when you ask them, do you talk to your patients about nutrition? They laugh. Listen, I don't know anything about it. I don't get paid to do this counseling. I don't have time to do this counseling. Just dead end. Don't bother me about it. Well, what do we do about that? Where lies hope? How do we break through this? Well, the good news is for the folks who say, I don't know anything about it, I don't have time to it, I don't get paid to it, you don't have to, doctor. There are trade professionals who will be happy to do this counseling for you. Every place I give this lecture, I look up the plant-based dietitians in that town, and they fill the screen, uh, and they should be seeing the patient at the initial visit that the doctor is. Uh, and um, uh, or the very first visit, oh, I want you to see Miss Jones down the hall. She's a plant-based dietitian. She'll show you videos, go over articles with you, take you shopping, she'll show you how to use your freezer. She's the person that's going to make this happen. I'll see you back in a month and see if you're not better. Um, and I love this. Uh, uh, the courses that they're putting in, they put set up a food bank for families and children in a pediatric oncology program. It doesn't have to be just straight nutrition. You go out and start a food bank. But here in the emergency department, refer the, the patient with the uh, runaway diabetes, runaway high blood pressure from what they're eating. Refer them to the dietitian right in the ER there. There's a place for that. 
people say, listen, my patients are Mexican, they're Chinese, they're not going to stop, they're Korean, they're not going to stop eating meat. Well, we're talking about their lives here. And many of these ethnic uh, cultures already have a strong plant-based tradition. Uh, and so you can turn it into a healthy version. You can do Italian food healthfully. You can do South Indian food healthfully. You can do Mexican food in a healthy manner. You can do Asian noodle dishes. So, uh, that, that should not be a barrier. It's the seasons and the sauces that make it work, uh, not, the, not the meat. Well, it's expensive to eat this way. No, it is not. The staple foods that provide the, the protein and the calories, you know, the starches, potatoes, whole grains, legumes, etc. When you buy them in bulk, they are very economical. You can buy a 10-pound bag of rice for six, a little six, over six and a half bucks. 10-pound bags of lentils, a little over 12 bucks. Two cups of rice, two cups of lentils in stews, stews and soups and rice dishes um, eaten daily will provide 46 grams of is enough for any human being to thrive on. But you add in a hummus sandwich or whatever, it's easy to get to 50, 60 grams of protein. Um, for less than 20 bucks a month, there's a month's supply of rice and lentils uh, for less than 20 bucks. And the, and the food assistance programs pay for this. There should be no reason, like, oh, I can't afford this food. And if you're not putting out money for steaks and ice cream, you got money to buy the organic broccoli and the kale and the other veggies. And, and if you've got resistance from family members, bring them in. Ask what foods they like. Oh, I like spaghetti with meatballs. Well, how about pasta primavera? How about uh, how about chicken and rice without the chicken? We'll, we'll put something else in there instead. I give all my patients my four-page uh, handout. You can, uh, as far as getting them started on healthy eating and weight loss, um, Go to my website, drclab.com, click on answers on the health supported eating plan. So coming down the home stretch, we need a new medical model uh, in all, every specialty. Uh, we need a lifestyle medicine approach and a plant-based diet. Uh, those who are open, and uh, the patients got to want to, but if they're open, uh, again, get the dietitian, bring her on to the primary our team right away. She's been an afterthought. She makes everything work by making that counseling happen. So refer to her, get around the team at the first visit. She will give the patient basic instruction and simple food prep, shopping, restaurants, etc. But if give me a little book to give me this started. Well, Drive for Fork's Sake by Rachel Brown's the cutie. And it takes you by the hand and, and walks you through the basics. But take them to the Forks Over Knife website, the Rochester Lifestyle Medicine, Plant Strong. You know, there's lots of good starting help. And then follow up you when the patient knows that they're going to be seeing the doctor or the dietitian or the health coach in two weeks that really motivates them to eat healthily. And how do we get paid? Well, you can do groups, uh, visits, uh, private insurance can pay. Uh, there's ways to um, to pay people for staying healthy. Um, uh, I know this is long, but we're coming to the end here. This has to be a bottom-up revolution here. So for the lifestyle medicine interest group at the hospitals and the med schools, uh, bring plant-based medicine into the clinic. Uh, start talking about an outpatient and in, in your inpatient rounds. Uh, ask the, stu the students and residents to ask the professor, do you think the patient's diet has something to do with their diabetes or the high blood pressure? And encourage monthly plant-based uh, journal clubs and case reports and films and guest speakers. And we at Moving Medicine Forward will can help you uh, help doctors and residents make this happen. Contact us. Um, extra clinical activities, start community gardens, start food trucks. Um, 
and clean up the inpatient scene. What is coming up from dietary with the heart attack patients? What are they selling in the lobby in the restaurants there? Uh, make them healthy uh, versions of the foods. And, um, and have the senior faculty talk to the national board about getting nutrition and lifestyle questions on national board exams. So at the end, um, if your next patient is hypertensive, diabetic, clogged up and inflamed, yes, order the A1Cs and the creatinine, but ask them what they ate every yesterday. And if it's full of burgers and buffalo wings and standard American diet stuff, that's why they're sitting in front of your doctor. Send them to the plant-based dietitian. Let her do the follow the counseling. You see them back in two, three weeks and see if they're not healthy and, and check in on them. You know, it was very motivating. People don't change. Yes, they do. They're they're get, getting tired of being sick and tired. Uh, patients like my patients can can drop a lot of weight and their meds in a very short period of time. So they say, once you look behind the curtain, you can't pretend you don't know what's behind the curtain. Uh, my job has been tear this curtain down. And so I end with the, to the health professionals with a very challenging slide, knowing that most of these diseases are reversible. Every one of the major killer diseases that these young docs are going to spend the majority of their careers treating, they're all reversible with a plant-based diet and a healthy lifestyle. Knowing that they're reversible, I ask the provocative question, you want to heal these patients or you just want to manage their chronic disease? Let that sink in. You want to heal these patients and get real about why they're sitting in front of you, doctor, overweight, diabetic, hypertensive, clogged up, and inflamed. But if you just want to manage your chronic disease and raise their insulin dosage, you're going to leave medicine. It's a dismal way to practice medicine. Here, you want to heal them and get real about what they're eating. So my last slide is the era of applied nutrition-based lifestyle medicine is dawning, and the plant-based wave is breaking. Line up your surfboard. I am the happiest doctor I know my patients get healthy right before my eyes. The most exciting brand of medicine to practice. You can become the happiest doctor you know by reversing diseases with a whole food plant-based diet and a healthy lifestyle. So the topic slide we started with, the state of medical education and nutrition education medical school is dismal, quite honestly, but it's slowly improving. The public is demanding more rapid progress. And so the time for all of us to work for nutrition-based lifestyle medicine and nutrition-based medical education is now. See what you can do. Ask your doctor about nutrition. Become nutritionally aware on your own. Maybe you won't need to see the doctor at all. Okay, so with that, a very long presentation, if anyone is still there. Um, okay, so... Uh, I am appreciative for everyone sticking around. And I'm willing to stick around for some questions. Turn it back to you, Peter. I can't hear you. You're muted. You're right. I was muted. And thank you. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Perfect. Thank you so very, very much for, for this very informative presentation. And the fact that everybody stayed on, the fact that all these folks came over from from YouTube and from StreamYard to be with us here is testament to how much you're appreciated and, and how much we we love what you're presenting. Uh, Dr. Clapper, I just would like to invite you to, to talk with us again, present with us again. And I want you to know that our community, you talked about from the ground up, our community is, is even below the ground up you're referring to. Our community is consumers 
uh, whole food, plant-based and vegan consumers. And our mission is to get the information, to curate the information, to find better ways to communicate so we can carry this word for you, for everybody to change the world. So we we need your support as we move forward to to educate the doctors we go to see all, on a regular basis or, or irregular basis and hopefully less regular basis all the time because they they'll they'll get us healthy we are healthy and um so i'd like to invite you back i'd like you to to invite you to be part of our community we're we're creating groups in our community we're calling passion pods where we we network with people who are passionate on the same topic and certainly the topic of educating healthcare practitioners about the benefits of a plant-based lifestyle is is so important to us all so I would love to have further conversations with you and and to ask you to support us and guide us as as we're all out there to to make this a healthy happy well-fed vegan world so uh, with that, thank you so much. I, I know we have some other questions and we've had some questions throughout the presentation, but um, if uh, if anybody would like to type one in now, I, I'm, I think going back maybe a little too much, I see a question, is long grain brown rice the most nutritious type of rice? Uh, yes, as long as it's whole, I don't know, long grain, uh, whole grain, uh, long grain brown rice, as long as it's whole grain, it's not white rice. Uh, yes, that, that would be the most uh, beneficial. Although I hear black rice has some interesting qualities too. But the point is, you want the whole brown, you want the whole rice with the bran and, uh, and the whole attached there, not milled off to turn into white rice. Yes. Um, right. So, so there's nutritional questions. You're obviously there's so much hunger for for nutritional information in this group also. And again, our focus is to to know how to have these conversations with other people to bring them the information you're presenting. Um, why don't I come back for a Q and A one day? Let's just why don't we get all these questions just, together and just rip right through them. And that I'm would be wonderful. That that, that sure. would be awesome. Amarkita is with us, and she's the one who's coordinating all this for our team and and so everybody watch for watch for a follow-up for q a and watch for for resources and conversations in our community so to to get access to it we did that health uh create an account it's brand new on our website we're, we're creating this community with passion pods so we did that health community create an account and and let's communicate there and we'll be sure to announce and bring bring dr clapper back and i would also add dr clapper i was so thrilled to see you mentioning wayne state university dr lucky from wayne state university is is in ah. process of being uh, scheduled with us and as as i understand it he was the first doctor to successfully bring a nutritional program to to a university so uh, lucky's lucky's done so much good work good for him oh you're glad you're gonna have mom that's great wonderful well everybody uh thank you and i i personally need to run marquita can you stay on for a couple minutes dr clapper do you have time for a couple more questions yes i do Absolutely. Okay, so, so I'm going to that. excuse myself. Everybody, thank you so very much for joining us. Dr. Klepper, I'm so honored. We're so honored to have you uh, supporting our community and being, I, I hope, part of our community. So thank you all, and I'll see you later.